Thanks, Mark. Well, if you have a Bible, Matthew 28, uh, go ahead, open it up. We're going to be reading verse 13 to the end. Uh, some of you will know this passage. It's got a pretty big, pretty famous title. This is, again, in Matthew. And throughout his gospel, Matthew shows us that Jesus is king. Uh, that he's not just a king, but he's the king. He is the son of David, the chosen one of Israel, who would be a blessing to people from every nation. He says that the Messiah is here, that he came. The king is here. The king is building up his kingdom. And the biblical narrative as a whole shows that God is king. So we see the comparison. Jesus called king within this greater story of God as king. And we're created to display his kingship, to enact his rule through the whole world. That's our job. But we prefer to be our own sovereign states, and that doesn't go too well, uh, which is why we have the word sin. Sin is rejecting God's reign. But Matthew shows how Jesus made a way for us to come back to the king, not in contempt and judgment, but in an acceptance as his very own children. So Matthew's a good book. And if you're able, go ahead, please stand with us uh, as we read God's word. Again, Matthew 28, starting at verse 16. Here we go. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. May be seated. Lord Jesus, uh, we come to you as a needy people. We come to you as weak and broken and yet prideful and stuck-up people uh, who need a king. Lord, show us how you are uh, the king and how you are a good king. Show us how you want to have your rule, your reign over our hearts even. uh, And show us how that is for our good even. Uh, certainly it is for your glory. Certainly it is for our good. Show us in your word, please. Uh, ignite our hearts to, to fear your name, to respect your kingship. And please help us to, to understand your word today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, uh, in the text we just read, Matthew 28, 16, uh, the disciples find themselves in this post-resurrection pre-ascension pocket of time. Perhaps they're wondering, what's next? Jesus was dead, but now he's not. What happens now? And maybe some of us are wondering that too. What's next? What's your 2022 going to look like? What's it going to look like for you? What's it going to look like for me? You might know that today is December 26th. Uh, and for a few more days, we find ourselves in this post-Christmas, pre-New Year pocket of time. Pretty soon, we'll wake up from naps or cookie-induced comas 
and start seeing ads for Pelotons and for dieting plans once again. Ready or not, 2022 is coming. How are we going to live? What's next? And my proposition for you is, let's just hear how the king wants us to live. And I think first we can do that by checking out the setting of the story that we're reading. Let's see, where is this thing happening? If you look with me in verse 16, uh, I'm just going to read it again. Keep our eyes on the text, right? It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, so it's in Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. All right, so six verses earlier, Jesus made clear that he wanted a number of people with him, not, not just these 11, but uh, a multiple of his disciples to climb the mountain, so they do it. This group there on the mountain, that's what we're going to call this first part. And what happens? Well, verse 16, verse, sorry, verse 17, here we are. Back to the book. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So this is, this is a theme. Some worship, others doubt. We, too, are going to do one or the other. Even the people who lived with Jesus, those who saw him personally, some of them worshipped, some of them doubted. When a crowd comes into contact with the risen Lord, we almost always see this exact thing. Um, so, Y'all know, yesterday was Christmas. In our culture, when we celebrate this huge uh, festival, festive, joyful, and nostalgic holiday, there's a reason for what's going on. Christmas is a testament to the fact that the king is alive, right? It's not a memorial, it's a birthday party. And if we believe, if we are among those who worship, saying, Jesus, you are the long-expected son of David who was born to set your people free, then we need to listen What's coming next, right? We want to love one another. We want to do what comes next. But before we read on, I I do want to be as clear as we can be on this. Because like in Matthew, some people today, maybe even you are just saying, um, no. Like some doubted, some doubt, some will doubt. This will keep happening. And I, I do want to set the record straight here. When it says in the text, some doubt, some doubted. We're not talking about questioning so much as wavering. I think that we can worship in faith or waver in doubt. And I I think there's a way to question or wonder in faith. You say, Lord, why, why do I have to suffer this? Lord, how do I keep going? Father, what do I do? I don't know yet, but not my will, but yours be done. Right? We can question and still worship in faith. But a lot of times, that's just not us. Like, we're better at doubting. We're much better at wavering. Some of us believe, we, we want to believe at least, and yet we're still battling unbelief. Is this, there, is this all there is? Should I eat, drink, be merry, and die? Is that it? If I can't see Jesus and if I can't feel anything spiritual, whatever that means, does it exist? And, and I think materialism is one of many tools which Satan, our adversary, will use to sow doubt in our hearts. I don't know the numbers if we're measuring this month against the rest of the year, but I do know that we are inside a very uh, experientially driven season, right? Christmas time is very uh, experiential. 
And American December uh, is filled with consuming fun and food and gifts. And fine, I'm not after that, but I just don't want us to settle for it, right? Food and gifts and family are good things. We should enjoy those, but they're just not everything. And this week I'm praying, Lord, help us not exchange the glory of eternity with you for pleasure in the present. The reality is that we're doubters. We doubt Christ's goodness and his grace. We doubt that he wants to help us or that he wants to heal us or fill in the blank. What do you doubt? That's, That's the reality. You and me are doubters. But this is the remedy. Worship. Remedy of doubt is worship. If we want our doubt to die... We've got to train our hearts to worship. How do we do that? Well, I think one way we worship is by gathering and singing. Certainly, that's a good thing to do regularly. We gather so that we can worship together. And really, it's our intent that every single time believers are gathered from our church family, if it's Sunday morning or if it's Tuesday night or whatever, we want God to be praised. We want together to be built up as one body in Christ for the glory of his name and our nation. That's good. Some of y'all have heard it a few times. I hope you can attest to the truthfulness of God working through our worship. How about this for a second idea? Singing's one for a second. How can we worship? Well, when doubt creeps in, which it does, and you feel this tug of war towards wavering or towards worrying, Just remember how the Lord has already provided. That's the word, remember. Here's a couple of reminders I find personally just very uh, comforting. One, remember that his mercy is new with the morning. Right? If the sun rises, the Lord has mercy to give to those who fear him. Remember that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. He lifts up the humble. Remember that the Lord is mighty. If we are weak, feel that the Lord is mighty and that he will save. He will rejoice over us with gladness. Surely he loves his people. He delights in them. And then here's a good one. Uh, This is Isaiah 41.10. One of my favorites. Remember that we have no reason to be afraid because the Lord holds up his people with his righteous right hand. Promises like those. Remember them. And remember prayers he's answered too. Uh, when you've prayed, have you, have you seen God answer? Like, some of you are saying, yeah. And then, then I want to say to you, remember those things. Don't forget them. Remember that our unchanging God has loved you and cared for you in the past, and he's not going to stop that. He's not going to forget. He's not going to forget you. But maybe you're scratching your head. You're wondering, does God hear me? And if that's the case, friend, I, my, my encouragement is just to keep praying. Uh, or, or maybe it's start praying. Because he does hear and he answers in the right time. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't waver like we do. So, keep praying. 
The remedy to doubt is worship. And I, I hope those are some helpful ways for you to put it to work. If not, let's talk sometime. This is what we do as a church family. We want to help each other worship. And towards that end, let's keep reading. Hear Jesus' words for us, for all his disciples in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven, all authority on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Excellent. All right. Excellent. So, let's call this piece, Go Tell It. Since we're working with what is called the Great Commission. Uh, and how about we talk about a couple things. How about we talk about why it's a co-mission, and let's talk about why it's great. I think, topically speaking, there are, are three parts to this, and I'm going to call the first Christ's position. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And there are many, many, many voices which will try to sell us satisfaction or pawn a product or maybe wow us with a shiny new worldview. We listen to the voices we do because we like how they sound. And what we hear tends to steer our thoughts and our emotions. My guess is that you tune in to either Fox or CNN because you like what they say, or you scroll Facebook because you like what you find. If Sunday afternoon football or Friday night bowling or whatever it is, that is your thing, your mind and your heart and probably your calendar will reflect that. We can listen to a lot of things. And Matthew says, listen to the king. Every power in heaven is his. Authority over every spirit is his. Any prime minister, our president, the state, the Senate, the House, our governor, even our mayor are all subservient to Christ. That's why we call him king of kings, okay? Christ's position is king. That's good news. Why is it good news? Well, listening to our king, if we follow him, if we do this, what he says, we are walking into no man's land. Following Jesus involves stepping up out of the bunker and into the crossfire. Just four chapters ago, Matthew wrote this. We're going to throw it up on the screen. Jesus said this. <laughs> no man's land. They will deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So following Jesus does mean war. The war against American Christians looks a little different than that against our brothers and sisters in Asia, Europe, the Middle East, and elsewhere. But it is war, nevertheless, even for us. Our mission is not to cozy up and become chums with the world. It is to proclaim the gospel throughout the whole world, throughout our town. And it's good news that Christ is king because 
he will ultimately triumph. That's what it means. The mission will succeed. The cheat code is entered. We can charge into no man's land with the assurance that the war is won and even that the battle is almost over. That's Christ's position. It's a good, good position. Let's look at Christ's command. So this is starting at 19. I'm seeing four uh, imperatives at play here. Jesus says to go, to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach. And if we kind of put these together and see how the sentence rolls, we can get a better picture of going, what's going on. Uh, check out that word go with me, verse 19. What, what it does not mean is that you have to become a foreign missionary. That's not what he's saying. <laughs> Let's pray that God does send some of us out, out of our state and out of our country. However, this word go is not that concerned about location. That comes later. That's the word nations. Go, a little different. When Jesus says to go, that act of going is one way we follow the central command, which is to make disciples. Okay? That central part, that command, the imperative, is to make disciples. We're to actively do that. That's what he's saying. Actively make disciples as we are going about our lives. Seek first the kingdom of heaven, right? It looks a lot of different ways. That's why God made a lot of different people. Let's talk about discipleship here. Because that, that's what this is. We're make disciples. What is it? How do we do it? In high school youth group last week, uh, actually, we landed on this. Uh, that a disciple is someone who believes Jesus' testimony and identity, loves him, and lives accordingly. Someone who believes Jesus, loves him, and lives like it. That's what a disciple is. So with that in mind, making disciples just means helping people believe Jesus, and love Jesus, and live like Jesus. Don't overthink it. Probably don't go sign up for seminary either. Just talk about Jesus. You're not too young. You're not too old to tell people, to talk to people about Jesus. If he's changed your life, or if you live differently because you love him, then you would if you didn't. Just share that with your kids. If you feel like the gospel is really good news, tell your friend and tell them why. If your coworker shares a burden or a struggle, even an everyday problem or concern, show how Jesus reaches out to them because he does. I have a little book called Turning, gospel Con- Turning Everyday Conversations into Gospel Conversations. And they feature a quote by David Platt, which I like. He says this, What fueled the exponential and explosive growth of Christianity in the first century was how ordinary people, so you and me, spoke of the gospel to everyone they knew. They didn't need degrees, denominational backing, or all the answers. These early believers had gospel conversations every day. So let's just have gospel conversations as we're going. And Christ's command to make disciples does involve two more things. So let's hit one of those. Baptizing. What's up with that? Well, baptism is an outward symbol of inward faith. In Scripture, baptism particularly shows our union with Christ. The fact that we are united through faith with him. 
shows that those who were baptized into Christ went under the water into his death and came out raised into Christ's resurrection. Okay? It's an outward symbol of inward faith. Baptizing disciples is part of disciple making. And I'm not going to try to complicate this here. How do we apply it? Well, if you believe and if you haven't been baptized, get baptized. It's a good time. It's a celebration. It's a, it's a party. Union with Christ. So good. All right. All right. Uh, last verse lists teaching as this fourth uh, command to make disciples. This fourth part. And that certainly can happen in programs. If you're subscribed to the weekly newsletter Kirsten sends out, you know that there's a lot of teaching that happens just in these four walls, but also in life groups and Bible studies and all sorts of things. We teach, we learn so that we can know Jesus, so that we can love Jesus. And hear me out here, teaching is not just for schools or for those who are particularly gifted at it. No, it's for average people, right? It's for us. You can teach someone the gospel. You can do it. Parents, you can teach your kids. I think if you don't know where to start, start praying. (laughs) And then, uh, I'm going to make a little plug here. Come back, January 19th, Go to classroom four at nine o'clock, and Jeremy's preaching, uh, teaching in this class called Parenting. Go home and make disciples. It's pretty slick. We didn't plan that, but even in the name, you see how going for some of us isn't so much an out as it is a in. There's no better place to make disciples than in your living room or at your kitchen table. Just talk together. It's good to pray together, wonder together. Like Platt says, you don't have to have all the answers. Just live life in Jesus together. Here we go, last part. Christ's presence. We could all say it's Christ's promise, and that would be equally true. Uh, I think there's a little more glory and joy and comfort in the word presence here. And y'all, this is an epic, this, this is the epic end to the book of Matthew. I'll read it again. Let's go end of verse 20 here. It says, and behold, I'm with you, presence, with you always to the end of the age. So in this great commission, there is an emphasis on totality. Christ is king over all things. The gospel is for all peoples, and Jesus is with us always. Luke tells us that after, after saying these things, Jesus flew up into heaven, and Matthew doesn't tell us that. Matthew doesn't tell us that. If we're reading his book, All we know is that he was dead a few days ago. Now he's not. And that the resurrected Savior says, I'm with you always. That's crazy. So I'm an oldest child. I don't particularly enjoy listening to my younger siblings. I like, sister, I love you, but I don't want you to tell me how to do this thing I already know I should do. And when we wonder, what's next? Well, what's 2022? Matthew says, Listen to the guy who just walked out of a tomb. You can take him at his word. His brothers had a pretty good reason to listen to him, right? And so do we. When he claims all authority and tells us to make disciples, he is doing so on the grounds of a resurrection. God the Father raised his son from the dead, putting his seal of approval on the atoning work Jesus did on the cross. Y'all, 
what can he not claim as his own? (laughs) Everything is from him and for him and to him, including you. There is no problem in your life which the resurrected Jesus cannot solve. There is no sin he can't forgive. So question if you must, but don't doubt. Just worship. Because Jesus is king. Our going or our making disciples is one way we worship. If you spent some of your Christmas Eve with us or maybe you read Luke 2 with your family or if you watched a Charlie Brown Christmas, you've heard this story. Angels coming to shepherds with the news that the Savior is here, the King, David's son, is born. And then, after that, the shepherds sprint into Bethlehem to find the baby and spread the good news of great joy. There's kingdom work to be done. Jesus says in Luke 10 that the harvest is ready, it's ripe. And my hope that my hope is that this isn't, isn't burdensome in any way. I don't want you to feel the call to make disciples as a, as a burden that you can't bear because the good news is propelled by the great joy, right? The disciples had great joy, so they went. If we have no joy or happiness in knowing Christ, we're not going to make disciples. So, so before we sing, we're going to pray. And with faith, we're going to trust that God is going to increase our joy in him today uh, and this week as well. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we are uh, a, a very wavering and wandering people who look for satisfaction and joy in every corner of the earth but you. And right now, please <laughs> lasso our hearts, pull them, pull us back. Lord, we need you. We want to, to be welcomed into your fold again. Lord, because we are, all of us, prodigal sons, we have exchanged your glory as creator for the, the lowly created dirt uh, that we are, that our idols are crafted of. So Lord, forgive us, help us, help us make disciples, help us to have joy. Let us find a thrill and satisfaction in our relationship with you. We don't want to settle for less. We don't want to settle for the wisdom of the world, but we want to see your power at work in our hearts, working through us, in our neighbors, for the glory of your name. Please do that in Iowa Falls. Lord, we trust you will, and we want to sing to that end. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us?